Hello and welcome to No Direction's official PaizoCon 2019 seminar coverage in partnership with Paizo. Our coverage would not be possible without the help of our con staff, Paizo, and our patrons. Find more seminar recordings at nodirectionpodcast.com. Do you find it difficult to write for, uh, like you were saying earlier, you, get, you enjoy when the PCs go through and actually understand what you were trying to plan out for them? Do you find it difficult to write something that isn't railroading, but re- like there, like has the reward? I haven't started without you, Amanda. <laughs> okay, that's I was like, am I here? We're just free balls. <laughs> <laughs> okay. No. Michelle's third. Jason Keeley, who I saw oh, out in the hall. Yeah. Oh yeah, he just, yeah, he just finished the panel for the yeah. adventure path. R- railroading is, is tough, especially like the environment I work in, because it's basically like you have four hours in a game store, so you have to get through this. If you go off that railroad, you are not finishing that game and getting kicked out. But at the same point, you want to have enough that like people get invested and don't feel like it's I'm on the railroad the whole time. Right. So why am I here? I'll just go to the other world or. Yeah kind of the joy of like or, or play stuff versus adventure pass stuff all right see other other competent people are here hmm. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> if you're listening on the podcast uh, jason keely is covered co- coming over the table and <laughs> knocking over the chair Hi, Jason. I'm doing that. This has be this has become like a oh, WWE sorry. wrestling match. Watch out! Watch out! Watch out! Coming at me with a chair. A lot of kids, and they all step on my toes all the time. Yeah. Nothing new. Hi, Jason. Oh, Hello. Jason, <laughs> Quick, before we begin. Oh no. What's unique about this number? It's got one of every. Can I guess? And <laughs> wait, I wait. Hold on. Here we go. <laughs> you were at my seminar the other day. You too. <laughs> They cheated. No, they just knew. They just they actually. You got it, didn't you? Yes. Yeah. Oh, nice. She got it earlier. Yeah. It's not cheating if you showed up in the solving puzzle. That's true. That's just good. Oh, that's just okay. good planning. Yeah. Well, that's okay. not fair for us. Oh, yeah. Sausage for later. Yeah. Please give it back to me. But my my adventures tomorrow morning. To I will. Thank you. Anyone <laughs> come by? Yeah. Pop <laughs> this. As opposed to climbing over it on the table. Is it twelve forty-five? Yeah. Yeah. I think we have a couple of minutes before we. Yeah. Start right. Got a few minutes. Oh, all three minutes. Yeah. Uh. Everyone, we're having lunch early. Late. A knife and a fork. Take a napkin in my. I'm down with this. <laughs> this is for me, you two. <laughs> you have to share, Jason. That's the no, rule. No. If you're bringing a full turkey dinner to a panel. Oh, for me. <laughs> Jason says you solved last year's secret puzzle from the puzzle puzzle. Yes, exactly. Ooh. It's impossible. <laughs> it's not about you. Know, this guy did it. It's very hard. Actually, she what? Like, see, what is that? Did that chair make you angry? And now this power strip made what, what, you. It's not attached to anything. What's this? Oh, that's a that's a cord. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it doesn't need to be on our table. It's distracting. I'm in a real weird mood today. It's <laughs> 
This is the panel. This is what it's going to be. Just Jason does weird things for an hour. This is the <laughs> panel to be at. That's right. Suckers, uh, they didn't know. They didn't know. No this, one knew. This is really what writing for Star Wars that's, is that's what It's it what it does to your brain. That's what the Star Chamber is like. It's just Jason climbing on weird things and making Knocking noises. Knocking over. Oh, really avant-garde panel and we're all taking notes. Like, <laughs> The secret's writing is there. <laughs> Pro tip, bring full turkey dinner. Refuse to share. Eat. I'm always eating at work, it feels like. I don't know why. Full turkeys, that is it. Always full turkeys. No, I'm just always snacking on stuff. you got to keep the brain few. Brain few. <laughs> I died. That was it. That was the end oh, of me. No. Oh, dear. Whenever you're... Oh, dear. Yep. All right. Ready to start? Yeah. Hi, everybody. Hello. Hello. So this is the Writing for Starfinder panel, which is also uh, off to an illustrious start here with uh, they don't need to know that. With Jason Keeley. They don't need to know that, man. <laughs> um, so we're going to keep this fairly uh, informal. Um, we'll start out with Surprise. some, yeah, I know, right? Shocking. Start out with some introductions, um, give you guys an idea of our background as freelancers, just so you know where we're coming from. Um, a little bit of an idea of what we assign, or in some cases what we don't assign um, for Starfinder. We've got a couple of bullet points of uh, sort of general overview tips, and then we'll just open it up to your questions um, as it seems appropriate. So, uh, I'm Amanda Hammond. I'm the managing developer for Starfinder. Terrific. I'm Jason Keeley. I am a developer, and I work primarily on the Starfinder Adventure Path line. I am Thurston Hillman. I am the Starfinder Society developer, so I do all the development outlining and work on the Starfinder Society organized play scenarios. Cool. Um, so I started out as a freelancer in tabletop around 2011 and um, started out by meeting uh, Wes Schneider from Paizo, who's our former editor-in-chief, um, getting some assignments for monsters in the back matter of specifically the Skull and Shackles adventure path. Um, and I made that connection with him through uh, Gen Con. A thing I think that will come up here is that meeting people at conventions, um, handing them your business card, making a good impression, is not necessarily the way to get work, but is a very good first step to sort of um, get that relationship going and continue communication. The continued communication is very important. Um, but I worked on a whole bunch of different things. Um, I then got connected with uh, third-party people, specifically Wolfgang Bauer from Kobold Press, and uh, did a lot of development work on his Kickstarter projects in the 2013 through sort of 14 period of time. There's a book called Deep Magic that I was the lead developer um, on, uh, another book called Southlands I was the lead developer on. Uh, I worked with another third party along the way uh, called Hammer Dog Games and did a big hardback mega dungeon and so I had sort of three hardcovers to my name when I was applying for my job at Paizo and, and I really feel like that foundational experience is um, what got me started in the industry. What about you Jason? Yeah um, I guess uh, my start began when I decided to uh, uh, put a bunch of money into making a small company and that uh, to make a couple games uh, of my own uh, starting off with a, actually a 3.5 supplement uh, which was a, a you know, whole world and then I wrote an adventure for it and we had you know we're like let's do basically D&D &D style stuff, but also throw some guns in there and make Knowles a playable race from the start and blah, 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 blah. Um, from there, we moved on to an, an, like this weird indie game using tarot cards that I helped write, but also just mostly, I guess, developed and laid out and edited. 
Um, and from there, I did some. I was always occasionally hanging out with. Uh, I'm going to totally do a name drop here. Uh, my good friend Epidiah Ravishol, creator yes. of Dread. We we worked on a couple of free games together that are, can be found out on the internet. Uh, we did a weird thing where like let's write a game in a week. Um, him and uh, uh, so, yeah, it was basically it was called Game in a Jiffy because mm. we went and took that game to a con called Jiffy Con. <laughs> Um, uh, which uh, which has uh, uh, worked with him, uh, a couple other friends, Emily Care Boss, uh, who the two of them are now married, but that's a different story. And uh, uh, from there, eventually, sort of just uh, applied for a job at Paizo for as uh, an editor, but didn't get it. But in the process, I guess made enough of an impression that. James Sutter was like, you know, here's some names to contact. So I talked to Adam Daigle, I talked to uh, Patrick uh, Rainey, who has left and then has since come back. Uh, <laughs> but Patrick actually gave me my first assignment, which is writing for Heroes of the Wild, and I did some Wayfinder stuff at the same time, and I was just had a bunch of random poems. I wrote an adventure for Cubicle 7 at some point in mm. that, too. Um, and uh, eventually just sort of really got into the, the Paizo freelance pool when I started working there and 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 uh, uh, not to say that I wouldn't have kept it up if I hadn't been but it was like now I can just go to someone's face it's like hey give me a bunch of monsters um and from there just now I'm writing a whole bunch of shit yeah stuff sorry about that <laughs> no direction that's all right we'll, we'll center it we'll edit it out Bleep that that's out. right we'll edit it yeah Thursday uh, hi <laughs> Uh, so my background started, oh, many, many moons ago with a website some of you may be familiar with called EN World. Um, and EN World at the time was releasing a big adventure path called War for the Burning Sky, which was kind of their, like, 3.5 big ending adventure path. Um, and I was playing that, and then uh, around the time that that was ending, they had a uh, open call for like, hey, we want like little adventures to put into our big hardback as like bonus things. And I figured, oh, sure, I'll try writing one. So I did that. Um, from that, I ended up getting in contact with some of the people there, like Russ Morrissey and Ryan Nock, who were responsible for that. And they put me in touch with uh, some people for their next adventure path. They did Zeitgeist, and I was responsible for taking like the fourth edition stats and converting them to Pathfinder which was pretty interesting and sort of like, you know, that, that kind of grunt level work that some people start with. Um, from there, I ended up uh, doing my first Paizo assignment when there was an open call for uh, Pathfinder Society way, way back. Um, I submitted a scenario and I got a lovely rejection letter back that was no putting a rust monster in an organized play scenario is like dumb why would you do this um, but 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 you know the English language so please make all of these changes and try again and so I made all the changes and sent it back and didn't hear anything for like six months and then I got like hey read this you did the thing we asked you to please write this adventure for us and that sort of started my career with Paizo which was freelancing for many many years um, doing basically every line in except every line we have except for novels I have messed with it some form or another and then that evolved into me doing remote development work. Um, I just basically finished a year where I was let go from my previous job. I was in IT, had a good severance package, figured I'd do some freelance for a while, and that just 
kind of kept going into more and more work. And then that went into doing some remote development work, which eventually led to me being asked to come on board to launch the Starfinder Society because of my experience with organized play on the Pathfinder side. And that's kind of my background in things. We basically just couldn't let you go. <laughs> we couldn't let you stop doing stuff. We're like, please do more, please do more, and here's this contract. Yeah, basically. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think you'll find a sort of a th uh, possible th through line, uh, maybe with the exception of Amanda here, because she's too awesome, uh, <laughs> is that, um, you know, you're not going to be awesomely successful right off the bat, right? You know, you know I, I, got, I got rejected sometimes, and she said his thing yep. got sent back, right? And it's just a matter of, like, taking that in stride and, and continuing yeah. to just do stuff, even if it's not necessarily for Paizo, it's just, just get some third-party stuff, just doing stuff, stuff for your own benefit, you know, and, and putting it up on a website or something, um, and uh, the more you do stuff, the better you'll get at doing that stuff. Yeah, and doing things that you enjoy and uh, that you're okay with. I've created this thing and it might not necessarily go anywhere, but it's getting me experience and it's teaching me how to do things, and hey, then maybe later down the line somebody notices it, and that's and that's really cool. Um, part of the, the sort of secret to my background is that um, I have a journalism degree and I was a journalist before I was in this business, and so had um, done a bunch of professional editing and had business cards that had all sorts of publication credits and things on it, and so uh, I very much approached it like I was trying to apply for a job right. and that, you know, um, I needed to sort of show what I would show to like an editor if I was applying for a newspaper job. So I feel like that that kind of experience, not that these guys didn't have stuff like that as well, but it's very, very valuable if you can kind of go to uh, an RPG person as a professional and say like, I understand deadlines, you know, I've worked in this business, uh, I can apply these things that I do in my current job or previous job to to RPG stuff um, and uh, I feel like that, that opened a lot of doors for me especially with with Wolfgang having a conversation with him and when she said we always need editors and I was like here's all this other stuff that I've done and here's all of these stories of deadlines that we've hit and you know stuff like that um, was was very very valuable so any way that you can kind of slide that into conversations with folks tends to be pretty helpful related to sort of journalism I actually had like a profile on a what weird site called clippings.me, mm -hmm. which is a mostly journalism sort of portfolio type site, but I just took some pages from the adventure I wrote or from the, the, this or the story yeah. I wrote for Wayfinder and just sort of put that up on there. And yeah. that, that, that didn't hurt, I'm sure. Yeah, and that's one of the first things that folks will ask when someone approaches us as yeah. a developers or designers saying, we're interested, you know, I'm interested in writing. We'll be like, okay, well, send us a couple of uh, samples of your work. Yeah. So if you already have a website and you can just send a link, then that is very impressive to us and saves us a lot of time. Yeah. Um, we'll, we can go into more specifics later on, but sending like a 24-page PDF that you co-wrote with three other people as your writing sample is not the greatest thing. Right? No. Yeah, you want to keep it, keep it, keep it shortish. Yeah. 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 Especially totally. when we're all very busy. And, and like Amanda was saying, it really comes down to presenting yourself professionally. For for all of us, this is our job. Like a lot of people who, when they will like bring themselves forward to write for RPGs. If they aren't seeing it like it's a job and taking it seriously, that becomes really difficult for us to go, okay, you're coming at us with like, I have an idea for an adventure that is set in this place and I want you to take it. And it's like, okay, like what writing credits do you have? What background do you have? Ah, none, I just have an idea. And it's kind of like, you're asking yeah. us to trust you with a lot. Yeah. And so being sure to come and present yourself as, you know, here, here's my background, here are things I have done, steps you've taken. One thing we see a lot in these conventions are, like, 
repeat customers, people who are back at conventions every year or we get emails from them every few months. And it, I find it's always important to be like, well, what have you done since we last spoke? And like, where, where, where have you evolved? A lot of times with when I'm selecting authors, if they can come back to me and say, like, oh yeah, in the last six months I followed your advice and I went and I did a whole bunch of third-party products, here's, you know, all of the, the PDFs I've done and here are the contacts for people I worked with who you want to check in with them. That to me is huge because then that shows, wow, you've taken those steps. I'm way more inclined to trust you at that point. Yeah, totally. Um, so do we want to go through what we sort of assign and then give sure. folks an idea of that? Uh, so uh, I don't assign a lot these days. That's uh, another secret of this panel. Um, where it's valuable to approach me is uh, when you don't necessarily have insight into who works on what as far as which developers work on which lines. Being at this panel is a super good first step because we are going to tell you who assigns what um, and who would be good for you to talk to. Um, but uh, as manager of the team coming to me and um, having a conversation, whether it's an email or something, um, about wanting to work for Starfinder, my immediate question for you will be, well, what do you want to write? Because we've got adventure path lines that um, is split up into the adventures uh, and the back matter. And adventures, of course, are a very high tier assignment. Um, if we don't have a relationship with you, you know, we're not going to assign that to somebody that we've not worked with in the past. But back matter is a very good way to get started in writing for Starfinder. Um, we've got monsters and articles and uh, codex of worlds, a little planetary write-up. Those are sort of things that we would try out a new person on. Um, we've also got the hardback line, but the hardback line is very changeable. Um, we, for example, did the beginner box in a slot for a hardback line. That was not something that we had uh, outside freelancers yeah. work on, but those are things that uh, we may or may not be able to actually tell you. So things come up catch as catch can on hardback lines. Um, but Joe Bassini uh, and Owen Casey Stevens are sort of uh, alternatingly the best folks to approach for that. And even then, one of them is usually lead on a project where the other one is sort of support. So um, coming to me and saying, I want to work on Starfinder, I can get you to the right person at the right time if you don't already necessarily know where that is. And yeah. So I, as I work on the adventure path, I alternate between doing the adventures and the back matter. So every so often, I'll have either very little to assign, little six adventures, but like that that goes to six people, right? That's very you know in terms of that, and they, they also might get an article with that or some monsters in the back, and then six months down the line, I'll have a lot more to assign, little bits here and there, a monster, a codex, a world, a, a ship on the inside front cover. Um, and so uh, I will eventually, and, and often I try to do that in kind of big bursts. So if you come to me and I'm like, oh, I don't have anything right now, but maybe in a couple months, and hopefully at that point, you know, I have, I've developed a, a nice list, and if you're on that list, I might contact you, are you still available? Um, so if you don't hear from me for a bit, it's because I just have weird, it, it, it's a sine wave of, of how much stuff I have to give out. Yeah, uh, for for me, uh, I exclusively assign uh, Starfinder Society scenarios, which currently are two a month. So, end of the year, we have at least 24 assignments, but some of those are quest packs, which is what I prefer to use for new authors or interested authors. It's basically a smaller chunk of an adventure, so you might be writing anywhere from like 2,000 to 2,500 words. Uh, and that's sort of like a mini one or two encounter little adventure. And those are the ones that I tend to use for people who are just getting their feet into the industry um, and have, have taken those steps I mentioned before and really come off as professional, um, shown that they've, they've got some writing credits. One of the interesting things about my position in how I'm assigning stuff is in a lot of ways, organized play scenarios are one of the most complex 
types of product we release because they are adventures that have to deal with multiple levels and they have to deal with like all the subset of organized play rules on top of the, the regular rule set. So there's a lot of moving parts. Um, but we are also generally more able to, to give work in that environment. Like once we find solid freelancers who've proven themselves, we're like, yes, please come back, please come back, please don't, please don't go to the adventure path and leave us. Please, please stay here. Um, so, so there is there is a lot of work um, in in that line, and we we like I say, start with those quest packs and then move into scenarios, which become pretty regular. And unfortunately, it, 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 there's an. Uh... An appearance that the, the scenario line is a, the the farm league for the adventure path line, and I don't like to really think that way, but they because I think writing, as you said, it's a complex to write a scenario. It's, I think it's just as difficult to write a scenario as it is to write a, an adventure, even though an adventure might be twice as long, twice yeah, as many absolutely. words. There's a, there's a different kind of difficulty. However, you get to give out a little more, maybe twice as much. So, so it's, I have, we have twelve adventures a year, and you have twenty four. Um, we, there's often a case of where we go to uh, when we're needing adventure back. Like we go to oh, yeah. who is who's, who yeah. do you think is good? Yeah. So it, it ends up being a funnel of sorts, but not in a way that makes the scenario lesser. It doesn't mean that scenarios yeah. are lesser. It's now you've proven yourself in a scenario. Here's this other thing, which is just as hard, but in a different way. We think you, we we can trust you with that. And um, uh, 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 sometimes uh, I am in the pro- everyone should draw, try. To, I'll give you maybe like a couple monsters. Start there, and then maybe a, a back matter article. And if I've seen you sort of ramping up and proving yourself, and 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 maybe seen some other things that you've done, I'll go straight into adventure. It doesn't mean you have to go through the scenario line to get a, a adventure path adventure. So it's a, there's some different avenues yeah. to to work with. Yeah, and I think it's also worth noting that there's a lot of passing back and forth of freelancers, and we very much yes. operate as a team. Um, in some cases, we'll get together and we'll talk about uh, who, which freelancers have done a really good job for you, mm-hmm. or you know, if I'm looking for, uh, if I'm looking to help out somebody for assigning a really specific thing, I might go to Thirsty and be like, "Who have you got? Who is awesome? Who's turned stuff over on time? Who's shown this set of skills in particular? Uh, really good at mechanics or whatever, whatever have you?" And so it very much behooves you to when you interact with one of us to act like you're interacting with all of us because the flip side of that is that when you screw one of us over or you do something to one of us that uh, is not necessarily great, then the other team members are going to hear about that and that may impact your ability to get work from them. Um, Of course, everybody works with freelancers uh, on their own sort of uh, personal recognizance and, you know, everybody's trusted to have their own stable of people and to use their own discretion. But, you know, if you turn over something super late to Jason... Uh, you know, Owen's going to hear about it. I'm going to hear about it. Thirsty's going to hear about it. Uh, it's a you, small industry. It's a very small industry. Small if you office. are, you know, saying something, if you're doing something unprofessional and it gets back to Thirsty, it's going to get back to all of us, for yeah. example. So, again, it goes back to treating this like a job and understanding that we have a business uh, a business to do and um, that, you know, we want to make sure that we're working with people who represent themselves well and um, are not going to reflect poorly on us. The worst thing you can do as a freelancer is make a developer look bad. Yeah, because you you have something like a late turnover, and you have to look at it from like the, the perspective of being the freelancer and having a late turnover. To you, it's like, well, like I guess I tried this, and it's not for me, and maybe I won't get the money. But on our side, it's you know disastrous. <laughs> Panic mode. We have to find someone to do that at the last minute. Yeah. yeah, like find someone to do it last minute. One of us might have to take it, and our schedules are already so compacted. We have you know release schedules that we have to hit with our products. If we don't, like that affects our printing. That affects like our editing, our layout, uh, all of these things cascade really badly, which is why one of the best things you can do as a freelancer is 
be on time and communicative is like the key point. Um, best freelancers I have are the freelancers who will communicate where they're at. I can generally give some leeway in time, but they just need to give me a heads up that something's going to be late. The absolute worst thing you could do is just drop off the grid and stop communicating with your developer or person you're working with. Like, hands down, the, that to me is the most terrifying thing yeah. to get from a freelancer. And that happens, and that's definitely a death knell for uh, getting just feature work because we're all we're all so tight, like Thirsty cool. said. Our team in particular, we run very, very tight on our deadlines. Uh, but life happens. Yes. Things and we happen do understand. Absolutely. And, and we do yes, understand. Exactly. We're not monsters. Um, well. uh, <laughs> We're not all monsters fully all the way, all the time. Uh, but um, uh, but if, yeah, if, again, if Thursday says, if you tell us, look, yeah. I just, you know, uh, had an accident and I yeah, couldn't I get anything to do. Yeah, I got sick or something that happened. super sick and I need to be an extra week or two or something. That is not the end of the and world. And we'll be able to figure out if that's possible and let you know. And if, hey, if it's not, just give us what you got. We'll figure out a way to finish it off. You'll get, maybe you'll get paid for what you got, probably, if you've yeah. done the work and you've, you've done it in good faith. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. And again, even if you hand over something, that is is not the greatest because of something that was going on. We understand that. I had a turnover a couple, just about a year ago that was not the best turnover, but the person who was doing it was going through a lot of family stuff. They really kept me in the loop on it and got me their material and sure, it required a lot of reworking and it would not have been the type of thing where I would have recommended that person for, for other work, but I said, hey, there, there was a reason for this. I'll give you another chance again because like, let's see what happens when you're not in that environment and it's worked out really well now. So again, we're not monsters. Yeah. It's just please let us know what is going on and then we can work with you. And that's very impressive to us as well when yeah. we know that somebody's going through something rough and they're doing literally everything they can to yeah. just keep us apprised. That's very meaningful mm -hmm. um, to us. Another thing that I think is really impressive to, to everybody at Paizo, but us in particular, is when you turn us down. Yes. When you tell us, I am too busy, I can't take this assignment, you know, I'm getting married or whatever it is. Right. Uh, you don't even need to tell us why. Like, my schedule just can't accommodate this. That's impressive to us because... What we see a lot with, especially early freelancers, is this just over-eagerness to always want to prove themselves and to feel like this is their only shot. And so maybe it's not the perfect situation for them, but they take an assignment anyway. And then they're late, and then they're stressed out, and that's not good for them, and it's not good for us because we now have a perception of you as a late freelancer when maybe you should have just passed on that assignment and waited for the next one. Yeah, some of the best things emails I'll get will be when I email someone like, hey, I've got this assignment, love you to do it. And they're like, ah, sorry, I can't this in my schedule. Um, never take that as a, well, I've offered this to you once, you're never getting work from us again. Those people immediately go in a nice folder where it's like, okay, in like two months when I have something come up, I'll message again, I'll get yep. back in contact. It's, it's not a death knell. In fact, it's quite the opposite in a lot of cases because it shows you're taking this professionally, you're being responsible about it. And, and, and related to that too, if something isn't in your wheelhouse yeah. and you know that, Hey, uh, there's this article I have about this. Oh, I don't really know anything about that setting, or I'm not super keen on mechanics, or I'm not super keen on on, on one thing or another. And you let us know that too. Like, okay, well, it's good enough. What you know, I'm more interested in. Yep. X, Y, or Z. Um, it, it it works the same way. Um, if you also if you just happen to like be in a sort of maybe a group of other freelancers and you're like I don't work on that so well but I know someone who might be good for that yeah totally definitely will be like, oh, that, that saves me a tiny bit of time I can yep. maybe just pivot to that person and that might work and that generally works out 
Yeah, and there are, over the years, there have been a number of different freelancer guilds that the names will sort of filter to us and we'll start to, to understand kind of who's in what and... Um, you know, those are very valuable. To, I think a lot of people are worried about, like, sort of disclosing that they're in some of those groups because they feel like, well, maybe I shouldn't be, you know, talking to other people. And, like, yeah, you, you know, you shouldn't be telling people about information that, you know, is proprietary to the project. But, you know, collaborating and working together, that's that's a positive thing. I think all of us here have done that. Yeah, definitely. definitely. Um, so uh, all of you guys... Um, uh, again, you know, assign lots of different types of, of assignments. Uh, what are some specific skills to your lines that are that you are looking for or specific types of experiences when people are approaching you for, for work? Mm. Like, Jason, say someone asked you for back matter. Right. Well, I mean, again, yeah, it's been on what I'm assigning, right? Adventures, yeah. you, uh, if you did an adventure stuff, that sounds great. I'll, I'll, you know, it's always good to have. But, like, uh, our back matter kind of runs the gamut from mostly setting stuff to lots of mechanical stuff. Uh, monsters are pretty much very mechanical, uh, whereas the Codex of Worlds is 100% setting. Um, so, um, it, you know, I, I'll add, you know, hey, what do you, what do you, what do you, what do you like exactly? You know, if I know that, and I'd be like, hey, what do you think about this? Are you, are you comfortable with, you know, writing me two monsters in this theme, whatever? You know, um, it's another thing. That I, uh, I don't know if this is an appropriate place to bring this up, but too, like, often I will. Uh, there, there's there's certain places. Some things are very prescriptive. I need. This page, this many pages on on the mm. setting of this part. This many pages is going to be extra gear or player options, uh, or in various, maybe I'll give you some very specifics. So in a lot of ways, though, when aliens, I'm like, I don't know what I need. Give me some ideas. What do you think? What are you excited about? And then I'll I can always pick one out, do that, and do that one, but leave that one out and give you some feedback. So uh, it uh, it can be a a back and forth process with me about what exactly I'm looking for. Yeah. Um, from from my end coming full circle to how I started in this industry, uh, is, is having a basic understanding of organized play uh, and how it is a bit different from like a standard adventure. Uh, again, the, the whole story I said of, oh, the rust monster that eats all the PC's equipment. Organized play players aren't going to like that because getting that equipment back is going to be real hard. Um, just, just having sort of that like idea of what organized play is about. You don't have to know everything about organized play, but just understanding like the concepts of, oh, this is a scenario that's meant for up to six random people who like we could sure end up with a table of all obozayas and we have to you know figure out how this will work and they all might not know each other. Uh, that that's important. And then recognizing just structurally how our adventures work. And one thing that I find is super important is I can easily tell when someone has read our products and imitates our styling when they submit something. Mm -hmm. Because that to me shows they've done research. The times I will get like a Word document back that is not styled at all and everything's all over the place and they don't follow any of our standards, that's when there's concerns. But the people who have clearly like run several scenarios and played them, then I can see, oh, you're following our standards. Like you're following that, okay, there's a header for this encounter area, there's some descriptive text, there's all the bold inlines for creatures development, all of that. Um, now, on the reverse side of that, I don't want that to scare people off because there are some things in our play that like mechanically take a while to get your head around. Like how we do rewards is kind of this esoteric dartboard in the background of how we <laughs> assign credits in an adventure. That's the type of stuff I like I can certainly help you get towards 
grokking and fully understanding, but that's not a make or break when I'm assigning stuff. I understand that my line is super complex in that it runs everything from creating monsters to creating encounters to doing maps to doing all of these things that I don't really worry too much if there's some of the, the finer points you aren't getting. That's why we, we assign multiple projects and we go for that like sense of after a while you're going to get better and better and better because freelancers to us are great resources that we want to build up because the better a freelancer is the better it is for us when we have hard projects that we need to assign out and we know that they have the skills and capabilities of doing that yeah totally um so i think both of you guys have your sort of go-to freelancers right you have a, a sort of a list of folks that you know yeah. are pretty much always going to be good for most things that you ask them for uh, well they're not working on adventure paths keely <laughs> <laughs> i gotta gotta I need to find them. <laughs> uh so would you guys share some uh sort of best practices and uh, just what what it's like to kind of build up that relationship and things that uh, that the freelancers have done to uh, get in that list of your top people um, for me, it's like uh, a lot of it is they've done other stuff that that I, I may have looked at myself that is good. Uh, you know, like, oh, I really like how oh what happened there, or uh, you know how they took on this particular assignment. Because um, uh, if you've done other stuff for us, I will most likely have gone back and looked at it at some point, and uh, at least glanced through it to get an idea of what uh, you might be uh, good at. Um, uh, you know, yeah, we talk about communication is always good if you're just, I don't know what, you know, get to a point where like, I don't know what to do with this, you know, this outline it's kind of trails off in the middle of a sentence, and I'm like, oh yeah, I guess I was uh, falling asleep when I wrote that. But, um, no, uh, and, and, you know, I don't know what to do here, I'm not sure how to get this to work, I'll, I'll hash it out with you, I'm always ready to brainstorm ideas for stuff. Uh, uh, a lot of the times I, I you know, it, it, with adventure outlines too, sometimes, you know, try to get pretty much, you know, this should happen here, and this should happen here, but sometimes there's just big spaces where I'm just like, um... Go, you know, hey, make it like, three or four encounters that are kind of in this vein. Yeah, um, and by and, the end of them, this thing and they, needs to this happen. Happens. So yeah. I like to give you know give you some creative freedom to to breathe, and and a lot of other articles too. But uh, uh, if you're in a point where you're stuck and you're just like, I'm kind of stuck, I don't know what to do here. I'm I'm ready to talk about. it. I'm always yeah, ready yeah. to talk. Um, so for me, the the biggest thing you do to get like in the good book is save my bacon when something goes <laughs> wrong. I have some freelancers that I have had to reach out to with things like, can you write me a scenario in two weeks because another person bailed? And that is sort of that, once you reach that stable of like you've done four or five scenarios for me and you can turn them over and you know all of our, our steps, then I'm more willing to go to you with something like that. And like, hey, we might even be able to pay you a bit extra for this because it's, it's a quick turnaround. Uh, that, is, that is really key. Another, another thing, and this is, this is an odd item, but it is very truthful. And you're all here at the convention, so um, there, there's some wisdom to this. It came from uh, Wes Schneider, our old editor-in-chief, <laughs> um, who told me once that he would give some sensitive assignments to people that he knew were involved in the community. Uh, be it showing up at conventions every year or active on the forums or active as a volunteer because there's kind of that added pressure, as he put it, of you're not going to mess up this assignment because you're going to have to see me at PaizoCon <laughs> next year. Yeah. And, and like he, he told me that point blank on some stuff. And I've had similar reactions where I know like this person is really involved in the community, so I feel that I can trust them more to take on a big assignment uh, just because I know that they, they, they don't want to jeopardize what they have by like, ah, I'm just not going to do this, ha ha So it's, again, it establishes more trust in that relationship. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's yeah. very true. 
Do you have something else? No. Okay. Well, um, sometimes I'll just pull names out of a hat. <laughs> also yeah. true. Who is this person in the Z-Mail uh, uh, address? Uh, well, uh, who knows? Business cards. This one. <laughs> um, so on the other side of that, uh, there are some things that are pretty common that we see that are pitfalls of some sort. Hmm. Uh, when people are either approaching us or, or working with us or, or things that kind of make us pull back and go, Oh, gee, should we really be working with that person? Or wow, maybe maybe they have something going on, and we need to step back or something like that. Um, mm-hmm. What are some of those types of mistakes that might not necessarily um, come across immediately as a, a poor choice, but that are, are bad for us for our internal purposes? Hmm. I can think of one as sort sort of yeah. over communication, ah. which mm-hmm. I know like sounds like we're contradicting ourselves. But what I'm talking about is not you know telling us important things and keeping us apprised of what's going on, but sending us an email every couple of days, being like, "Hey, uh, do you think that this uh, feat bonus should be plus three or plus two? Yeah, those sorts of things, Specific like getting so granular and just kind of sort of a, a lack of understanding of the fact that we, we're extremely busy and it's very difficult sometimes to respond to emails, particularly. You know, if it's a fairly lower priority, like the feet bonus question or something like that, and yeah. so we may not even be able to respond to a question like that, um, which then comes across as, you know, we don't care about what you're doing in your assignment, which isn't true. So we sort of want our freelancers to understand and have the confidence in themselves to not ask us things every single day that we just don't have time to respond to. Um, go. Okay, I was going to say one thing that is is an odd topic but more and more it's becoming prevalent in this day and age is like how you comport yourself online uh, and this comes up in a few different ways uh, first of all is you're a freelancer you've written something for us uh, it's coming out and you are all over that product page for that item being like soon soon people will talk about what I wrote and it's really important to <laughs> how you comport yourself with that in like don't be going in there and like spoiling stuff before the book gets released. Like we've we've seen freelancers who've done that, and it, it doesn't look good. Another big thing is, don't ever throw your developer under a bus for development, <laughs> where people and this does happen is. As developers, it's our job to take the text that a freelancer turns over and adjust it to make it work in our setting. And there can be a whole bunch of mitigating factors of why we've changed something. Just, they're they're, they're endless, basically, as to why we might want to change a rule. It might be spacing related. It might be, no, this is too powerful. There's, There's a lot of different reasons. But one of the things that I often see, especially like in the org play side, is a lot of well, the developers changed it. My original vision was, and that puts us in a really awkward place Mm -hmm. because as people who work for the company, we don't want to be like, well, we changed it because it was broken or whatever. We we don't want to have that kind of antagonistic relationship. Honestly, the best relationships I have are when I change something, even if I mess up because I'm human, I can mess up someone else's thing. I might make a development change. Yeah, I know. I might, <laughs> I might make a development change that doesn't account for something else in another part in an adventure and it just kind of like slips, s- slips your mind yeah. and it's in there and someone posts about it. And a lot of the times, like the best freelancers I work with in terms of online comportment will go into a thread like that and just be like, oh yeah, but here's how I'd probably work around this or how I would handle it. They wouldn't like, well, the developer sure screwed this up. Like, yeah. it. You should feel like you're working with your developer and that yep. it's a team. And if you portray yourself like that, then, again, way more w- like likely to give you work. Yeah. Um, uh, 
uh, going along with a, another thing uh, that uh, is, you know, we give you, you know, I said, we give you an outline. Sometimes we give you the freedom to be creative, but there's also, uh, if you go, and we love weird, crazy ideas, especially in Starfinder, but there is also the uh, the possibility of going way too gonzo uh, for something, especially which I just need, you know, a couple pages about how, uh, you know, this church is uh, doing this thing, and then you give me, like, what, that all, oh, the church is ruling the galaxy, you know, like, you kind of, or then, then, then they're, they're, they have angels and cages and all this other crazy stuff, and a starship that can per pierce through the sun and you know like oh, like oh that's too much and I've got to tamp that down or in some cases just completely cut it yep. and, and fill it with other stuff that is uh, slightly more usable in the setting so if you're going too crazy uh, you know I, it does it does make a little more work for us yeah yeah the term that you've uh, probably heard if you've been to some of these other panels is called Wahoo. Yeah, Wahoo. Yeah, Wahoo. If you get a little too Wahoo for us, it's a, it's very much a mark of an early freelancer who's trying to really impress us with how creative they are. Yeah. But And that's awesome and that's great. We want you to be creative, but there's such a thing as going too far. And again, right. it's just very discretionary. Um, like what Jason said, if you read, just gut check yourself or, or you know run your idea past somebody or something. Sure. And, and if it's just like, what? That makes no sense. Then maybe that's a little too Wahoo. And yeah. it should go without saying, but... Anytime you're writing, avoid any Easter eggs oh, or gosh, yes. slipping stuff in from other intellectual properties into your writing. Yeah. You'd think this would be obvious, but there are still yep. people who will try to slip names or cute little variances of names for things, especially in a side fantasy yeah. setting. I get it all the time, and it's like, please don't do this. Because if we miss that, and that gets into it's a actionable. product. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's actionable. It's and now we're responsible for that yeah, as a company. Exactly. So. so just something to always keep in mind. Yeah, another thing that um, is a little bit similar to what Jason was saying, but um, something that I used to see all the time um, because uh, back a while ago I was running the campaign setting in the player companion lines for Pathfinder. Um, the player companions in specific are very tightly outlined. Um, they're broken up by spreads or sections of two spreads, and it's very specific word counts. Um, like 1600 or 3200 or depending on how many pages and so you know i would break it down you know to the hundreds of words for example and say i need 300 words of feats about um you know uh, animal companions uh that can do a certain thing i need so many magic items along this theme i need so many uh archetypes and i want one of the archetypes to roughly do this and this and then you have so many words to come up with new archetypes of your own ideas um if you get an assignment like that and you instead say, well, I was contracted to write, uh, you know, like 1400 words of three archetypes and one was supposed to be a ranger archetype and one was supposed to be um, a magus archetype and one was supposed to be something else, again, using Pathfinder terms. Um, but I just thought that that was dumb or I had a better idea and I decided to do this instead. It's just like, that is bad because there's a very good chance that I asked for something like that from someone else or I've been in communication with a different freelancer and something that was their discretion that has been approved is now the same as this thing that you didn't ask about. I've got to rewrite a bunch of your text or it doesn't fit into where it should fit into for the book because it's the entire thing is so outlined. So basically like changing up the outline um, or saying, and this actually happened once, oh, well, I, I'm I was asked to write 2,000 words of feats um, but there really just aren't that many good ideas. There's not that much design space. So instead, I just wrote 1,200 and please amend my contract. And it's like, uh, I still need to fill the rest of that section. Um, <laughs> please don't do that. So, yeah, I think just like 
paying attention and certainly asking questions and like throwing out ideas and you know like coming up with saying hey developer I have an idea for this um, that wasn't in the outline that's all fine and good but if you just do something totally on your own because you think you have a better idea that can cause problems that you're not aware of um, so that's the thing that really used to turn me off freelancers when I was doing a whole lot of very regimented assigning on the flip side of that coin, writing over your word count, way, yeah. way, way over your word count. Yeah. We're not paying you more for that, by the way. Yes. And so you're just making more work for yourself, and then we've got to figure out what gets cut or what have you. However, if you've, say, you have a thing where like, you have this range of archetype and this, and you've got a, a, a bonus slot that Amanda says, write an archetype of whatever, and you maybe like, write three of them, and you're like, I don't know which one you like best, cut this one and this one if you don't like it. If you give us notes, yeah, that fine. helps us out a ton, that's great. right? And you know, mm -hmm. as long as you understand, you know, you're, oh, you're making more work for yourself by writing more stuff, but uh, uh, but anything you've, anything, uh, there's that, and then it sort of goes on to thing when you turn stuff over, if you have notes and you I did this because of this, uh, you know, uh, this is why this happens here. Comments. Comments on, oh. the, on mm -hmm. the Word document are super good, and we love them, and we are like, oh, I wasn't too sure how this works, uh, you know, you know, uh, sorry about that, and it, even if it's just like, but I try my best, and like, hey, cool, awesome, um, yeah. or, you know, hey, you know, uh, some other things. Cleaning out sources. Yes, yeah, cleaning out oh, yeah, sources yeah. is so good if you can do it. Yeah. Like a lot of times, like we aren't we aren't all encyclopedias of knowledge for everything in the setting, and so I have had it happen where I've been reading through a freelancer turnover, and it's like okay, and then like the space queen like from blah 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 does this and I'm like well space queen from blah 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 this this is this is silly and then I'll like <laughs> look to cut it or whatnot it's like well no that actually shows up in a yeah. product line somewhere and it's mentioned and it's like canon and to bring that up is really good because then I'm not having to hunt something down and like searching if it's something obscure that you're trying to put in or you're referencing especially when you're doing background on like <coughs> rules mechanics or you know like connecting areas together in the setting putting a reference in of like, yeah, this references this page of Pact World. Sweet. Then that really helps me. Yeah, for sure. Um, so we got about 20 minutes left and figured we'll open it up to your guys' questions um, see what you have right Ooh. there. Um, so on that topic, what would be like the procedure if there's like some kind of event like seed in a different book that you were really attached to and you would like to write something for? So... The thing with that is it really comes down to, to talking to your developer, um, and if that seed is, say, not part of the assignment you've been given, um, at, at Paizo especially, a lot, of, a lot of developers will have babies in the setting, yes. where it's kind of, like, I, I've had things in Pathfinder that I was super interested in as a freelancer, and then I would later find out, no, this developer owns that and we don't yep. touch that. So communicating with your developer to be like, yeah, I really think this is cool. I'd like to tie it into what I'm doing. Um, then the, your developer can kind of yay or nay that uh, because we can all talk and like, hey, is anyone planning on doing something with, you know, these battle dancers in this place? And then someone will pop up and say, yes, there is going to be an AP about them down the line and we just haven't done it yet. Okay, then maybe we'd suggest you, you don't do that. But a lot of the times when we're looking for those connections, if we can put them in, that's super cool. So just, again, communication for that. Yeah. Uh, right there. Yeah, I guess more general question. Um, let's say you get an assignment for 500 words. Mm -hmm. uh, how close should you stick to 500 words? Like plus or minus 5, okay? Plus or minus 5 words is fine. Yeah. Okay. We kind of say 
like five percent ish um is is plus or minus is okay it'll fit because some words are longer than others and when we end up copy fitting them we say like oh this should have been 4500 words and we put it in it's somehow a page short even though this other 4500 word article was a page over two days ago you know but um yeah try to be as close as you can get it also depends on the product line too um like for org play scenarios we're pdf products so whilst we don't advertise the, yeah, go over. I have had authors who've been given really complex scenarios and they've said like, hey, I'm gonna need like a couple extra words if you want me to do all this crazy stuff you want me to do. And I'll be like, yeah, sure. Cause we can do that with a PDF product. Yeah. But with the other lines, since they're all print, there's not that level of leeway. Yeah, and that's uh, I think is a little bit important to think about the fact that the word counts that we give you are very mathematically prescribed. So like what Thirsty is saying, because um, OP is PDF, you guys have a little bit more leeway that um, if you uh, need a couple extra pages, that's not a big deal. We can just make a PDF a couple pages longer. Mm-hmm. But we're not doubling a scenario because exactly. then there's like editors and layout and all those yeah. other people who have to touch it. Yeah. So there's a bit more leeway on that digital side. Yeah, but when it comes to print, products um, you know we have a very specific number of pages that we have to print um, you know we've, they've got to be six it's got to be 64 pages you know every single AP volume is, is 64 pages and so the adventure uh, is the number of words that is determined by how many pieces of art are going in there and what types of pieces of art are going in there and so we will actually sit down with a calculator to come up with this many number of words per um, page you know we we need 900 for one page that has no art this other page has a uh, half page illustration so that takes up 500 words so then there's only 400 words of text that we need oh there's a body shot illustration that's a character um, that takes up 400 words uh, there's a spot illustration that takes up 100 words so um, when we give you that number we are estimating what we think will fit into the section based mm-hmm. on the number of pages also based on the, the number of art um, pieces of yeah. art so and, and it is an estimation because mm-hmm. we have to get the text to actually be copy fit to the bottom of the page and not have a bunch of extra space and things like that. Um, OP, you don't actually uh, copy fit to the ends of pages all the time at the very end. Like I've seen the, some stuff. No, no. Yeah, I've seen I some stuffy half pages. Um, the, the, the thing with, with OP too is, yeah, we, we like do different things with like appendices for stat blocks yeah. and that kind of stuff. So we have a bit more flexibility in that. But Yeah, and so like what Jason was saying, if you're 5 to 10% over or under, that's not necessarily a big deal because we are still estimating what we think will actually fit in that space. But when you start getting orders of magnitude uh, beyond that and just think, oh, it'll be fine, they'll just add a page. No, we can't do that. And and it's, it's important to note, um, going back to like online comportment and, oh, the developer changed my stuff. Sometimes we really like everything you submitted, but we just have to cut something because it needs to fit on a page. Yep. Right. Exactly. So a lot of times it's not like we hated your beautiful idea and it had to be thrown into a fire. No, it's we had an extra paragraph that had to get removed from a section because we needed to hit our page count. It's like just we do a thing and the art comes back like this yeah. and all over the place. Yeah. Um, or just bigger than we thought it was going to be and then it ends up being an alien archive. So we got to cut all the flavor out of this. It's yeah. got two yeah. sentences and it's mostly stat block and it didn't mean we hated it. It was just like that's just the reality of yeah. what happens. Yeah, sometimes yeah. making RPG books is real sexy, you guys. <laughs> uh, you need calculators. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, okay, so I'm going to start in the back, uh, back there, and then we'll just work our way around. I had a professor who had a friend who was blacklisted from Hollywood. He self-blacklisted himself because he wrote a movie. And as a writer, as a freelance writer for a script, once you turn that into Hollywood, you, you have no connection. It's done. It's done deal. And they can do whatever they want. It was one of the worst movies in possible history. I can tell you a movie is later. But um, 
how much back and forth is there between the right, the freelance writer, the developers, and the editor? Do you, do would you send stuff back to us and say, oh, question. do you want us to cut it or change it? How much? Often, uh, the uh, for me, it, I will just develop it. I don't necessarily have the time to send it back to you for changes. I might contact you and be like, uh, "What did you mean by this exactly?" Because it's a little confusing to me. Or you said, you, you know, you gave this one name here, one name here, and what did you, you know? Did you want to pick one of those for me? Or I'll, generally, I'll just pick it. You know, just be like, "Oh, this is what it, I think you meant this," and just go forward. So again, once you turn something over, it is kind of ours. Yeah. Yeah. One thing about the process, though, that's important to note is generally when we're assigning something. Um, at least with my lines and well, every other line pretty much, we do have milestone dates where when when we contract you out, we're going to say, okay, I'm going to contract you to do this adventure. Here's the outline. What I'd like to see back in, say, the next two weeks is an expanded outline where you're telling me what creatures you're using, get, like define these encounters a bit more, make sure that you're not going wahoo, that gives me a bit of control when I'm looking at that, and then maybe a month later... I want to see a milestone. I want to see all the text you have. And I might not go through all of that text in depth, but I will kind of like do a read, a skim, and say, okay, this is looking good. Like, I'm, you know, this. Confident. Yeah, exactly. I'm confident in where this is going. Or hashtag concerns. I need to email you <laughs> and like. You have to change this or change that. So there's, there's some back and forth during the process that also goes to like ghosting and why you should never ghost because when you hit like the milestone and you aren't submitting us anything then where you're putting us in a really awkward position because now we're having to trust that you're going to get this thing done yep. and we haven't really seen anything so there is there is a bit of back and forth during that process and i know on my end especially with newer authors there's a lot of like back and forth communication to guide the the project so it gets into the right state but once it's once it's in our hands generally there's not a lot that like at least on my side of things that I will go back to a writer for, yeah. except maybe feedback once I'm done. And With minor exceptions of something that's really, really short for me, like 500 words, I don't necessarily need a milestone halfway through. Yeah. I'll, you know, give me 500 words Yeah. at the end of the day. Yeah, yeah. makes sense. Uh, a question right there? This like seems like it's part of really just maintaining a professional relationship, right? Like if I, if you develop something that I write and you change it and I see it and I'm unhappy with it, and I email you for clarification, you send back your justification, and I'm still mad. Even if we're going to have an argument about it, that needs to be done in a back-channel sort of way, because you can't have that existing in public in front of the consumers of the product. That's just not something that professionals do, and it's a really, really good way to lose work. Um, no, that's not really a question. Yeah, do, you have, do, you, do you have a question? That is the core of it, is that, you know, that's how you maintain a professional relationship. Even if you argue with somebody, you have to do it in such a way so that other people will see it. Yeah. And we had a question back there. Hello. Uh, going back to art, um, say you have an idea in your head of what this NPC is supposed to look like. Should you put that in a comment, a quick description? Yeah. yeah that will be recommendations. I, I believe freelancer, I don't know yet. <laughs> yeah. Often, often, sometimes the that description couldn't work for text for you too, right? If you need to describe the, the PCs, need to see you know, whatever. Maybe it's in box text, sort of read aloud text, or just in the general description. But if it doesn't, you can't fit it in there somehow. Like it's just a, you know, you you have some details that you don't have there. Put it in a comment. We love, yeah. we love it. I'll, yeah. I'll, we'll, we'll, we'll we'll decide whether or not you know that was our vision or not. But but for the most part, it's very helpful. Oftentimes, when I get a final turnover. Within the week, I have to write art order for, for that yep. thing. Um, 
And a lot of the times, depending on my relationship with that freelancer, I'll just email the freelancer and say, hey, I can fit in two portraits and a full body illustration in here. What do you think is going to be best? What yep. would you like to see? Or maybe I've picked one because I know it's strong, but like I don't know about the other ones. What would you like to see? And yep. then give that kind of back and forth uh, post-project just to, just to suss out the art. Yep. Um, one other thing that is art related as well is maps. Mm. Um, with my products and adventure pads, you're yeah, going to yeah. have to Drill do maps. some custom maps. And don't be afraid if you're not like the strongest cartographer. Uh, we will work with you on that. And I, I myself use resources for that kind of stuff as well. Yeah. Uh, just like websites that give guidance on how to do maps. And if you're, if you're interested in like what art goes into a scenario, obviously the more maps are in, the less art we get. So there, there's some of that as well. Yeah, just being upfront with us about like, hey, I've never done a map before. I'm not yeah. really sure where to start. Um, that sort of thing, like I am more than happy to sit down and have a Skype conversation, um, you know, 20, 30 minutes or however long it needs to be and sort of put some sample maps in front of people, give them those resources that Thirsty mentioned, um, you know, maybe hook them up with another person on staff who is a professional cartographer on the side, which I don't think we have on staff anymore, anymore. but we did. At one point, yeah. Um, so I think we've all been there, and I know, like, I felt like I wasn't necessarily the best map in the world when I first got started, and now maps are one of my favorite, my most yeah. favorite things ever, and I love doing it. Um, so can you do mine? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you don't tempt me. Okay. Uh, so yeah, so stuff like that. Um, but comments I think are most helpful in uh, adventures, just because we yeah. need so many different types of illustrations, and we want to, um, you know, just for content purposes, like illustrate the most important characters. So if you as the author in an OP scenario or an adventure path um, are saying, oh, this is a really important NPC and she looks like this, or, well, this seems like it's just a monster, but you know, they're gonna come back later. There's something like yeah. really cool about them and the way they look, they look like this. That's really helpful and saves us a ton of time. Um, they're very helpful for campaign settings, but we don't do those for Starfinder. Um, but you know, down the road uh, for articles and backbinders. Yeah, like late, lately for articles and backbinder, I've been putting in the outline, this is gonna have this piece of yes. art and this piece of yeah. art and this piece of art. If you have any suggestions, feel free to tell me. So yeah. it's in the outline to just go, go nuts and whether or not, uh, you know. And I think I that's very common. That yeah. yeah, most outlines will have a section of art. This will have two full body shots uh, right. and a portrait. And then if you suggest that, then that just saves us time and makes us happy. And, and sometimes we have to we have to change those those art orders based on other things that are going on. So once again, you might suggest something and we might go a different direction. That's not even necessarily because, well, that was a stupid art decision. No, it's because you wanted to have a salamander in here, but we actually have a salamander that shows up in the previous installment. So we're yeah. going to change. And the same will go for stat blocks, too. Yeah. A lot of the time, especially in like org play, I have to be careful. Like, okay, we're not fighting electrovores for the next four <laughs> scenarios in a row. We need to swap that up. If you've if you've seen the patrol class security robot, you've probably seen him eight times. Oh, yeah, boy, boy. So. yeah. Um, another thing that's not to interrupt you real quick, but yeah. another thing that is. Um, super sexy about making RPG books is that the art that is being illustrated needs to be on the same spread as the content that, that uh, yeah. it is describing. And so you might have uh, three or four notes of like, here's a character, here's a character, here's a character. Well, if they all show up within 300 words of each other, we can't illustrate all three of those because then the art would be way away from the actual text. So there are just factors that go into it from a production standpoint of why we might not be able to use it, but it is helpful to have that information. That's exactly what I was oh, going to say. Okay. So, <laughs> good job. Yay. Thank you. Do you have a question? I do. Okay. <laughs>
What degree of polish do you expect on maps when you get them? Like oh. an AutoCAD type floor plan oh. on a square grid would suffice, or you want it in like Adobe Illustrated finished product level? Oh. Where are we at? I do mine on pencil and then scan it in. Yeah. Sometimes I'll color it with some colored crayons. If you can do the fancy uh, program, you know, AutoCADs and stuff like that, awesome, cool. It just helps. That'll help our cartographer a little more as, as when, we, when we hand it over. Because the cartographer will, at least the one we've had for a Starfighter Adventure Path, have been able to take some really rough bits of coal and yeah. turn them into diamond. Yeah. Um, yeah, if, that, if that's a skill set you have and you do great maps, you will be known as a person who does great maps. That's true. And that will maybe get you a little extra work in some cases. Yeah. If everything yeah. else is just as good, you know, is, is, is competent. And no, but this person does really good maps. Well, we'll give them a map heavy, whatever. We, you know. we, we, have, we have at least one freelancer who, who does maps, and you, you'll get the map turnover and be like, I hope our official cartographer can make it look as good as this turned over oh, yeah. map. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Um, anybody else right there? And Actually, then we'll get you. As a, a follow-up to what you're saying about people that like maps, uh, generally when I am coming up with a scenario to, to write about, I like to think about how the, the battle and the tactical side of the game will play yeah. out in possible alternate win conditions and then building my story out of there. And they mentioned in the dungeon design uh, Q&A yesterday uh, about the, the dungeon ecology and really thinking about why are these people in this area, why are you fighting them, why are they staying there if you are fighting them, like, and the, the time constraints that could potentially be on the actual game mechanic side of it, uh, if there, do you tend to go to freelancers to write, like, considerably more of the adventure background and then go into the, the dungeons, uh, or do you, like, uh, do you break it up with some people where you'll get the, the more the high-end idea of what you want this dungeon to be and then have someone do sort of the mechanical game side of it to maybe give reworks or to give a, a, a battle plan. You know, it varies from adventure to adventure. We will, uh, in the if you get an adventure outline, and this is a lot getting into just how to write adventures, how to make them, you have to think about what the maps are going to be and what exactly all the stuff you said. Um, uh, but we'll, and the outline will be like, okay, I need, the, we're going to tell you, then we need a map of this place and a map of this place. We don't tell you exactly what it looks like necessarily, that's going to be up to you, where, how many rooms it has and whatnot. Um, or, we, and then occasionally be like, and you have a, a whole page of maps that's, you know, dealer's choice um and make them related to the encounters that you have and maybe we'll have a thing of just like we need four encounters that kind of take place in general area. in in starfinder we've had a, a, a lot fewer dungeons right so we, we end up having this is a battlefield whatever and it really only it, maybe you it has one encounter on it but you kind of need a map for it so that to help the pcs out you know so that the gm can draw something um but then sometimes it'll be like hey here's a security complex it's gonna you know take up a full page uh you know and have maybe a bunch of bunches of rooms so you're gonna go nuts on that but thinking about what that security complex looks like should be important it should make sense you know and whether or not um we have like a concrete idea of what's going to be in there or not that varies a bit based on jason said the specific venture also varies kind of based on the freelancer. If it's someone newer, I might give a bit more hands-on guidance on like, okay, this complex needs to include a trap, it needs to include this, it needs to, uh, whereas a freelancer who's had a lot of experience and has built up that trust, I might say, 
it's this type of complex. Please fill it with whatever so that at the end of it they can get the MacGuffin. Right. It's a creepy um, hospital. Make it a creepy hospital. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Like, do, do something like that and hooray. One thing when you're when you're doing it um, that's an OP difference, though, that I will just bring up here because it's a pet peeve of mine, is always remember that, like, org play tables are, like, six to seven players, and in Starfinder we have races that can be large. Sure. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, then, and then when you want to do an encounter where they're fighting, like, eight enemy robots and it all takes place in like a 20 by 20 room that's, <laughs> that's not bad. gonna work um, so just be cognizant of that too when you're when you're writing encounters yeah. uh, I just got the five minute warning so we'll do uh, one last question and then we are around all convention um, come find us if you have mm -hmm. further questions um, Especially these guys. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> You'll never find me. Yeah, Jason's gonna disappear in a cloud. Oof! Smoke bomb. Um, we'll do one more question and then, um, yeah, just come find us throughout the show if you have other other things. Sure. My question is, uh, what you said about being noticed in the first place. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And um, so, if I write something and then put it in a fan site, or if I make my own fan site, mm -hmm. and then I send that to you and say. And people had critiqued it beforehand and said, oh, this is this, this, and I'm not going to, or review it. Mm -hmm. Would that be good for the submission? Um, I think any material you can provide us, like, rather than just saying, I'm interested in writing for you, being like, yeah, I'm yeah. interested in writing for you, and here's this thing yeah, you can look to yeah. see my work. Yeah, that's um, right. Like, ha having some kind of website is, is good for that. One thing that's really important when you are submitting stuff to us we can't take unsolicited work yeah um, so if you're like I've written this great adventure look at my great adventure I have to say I can't look at that unless it's been published by another company the reason for that is is like you could send us something and then I could remember something from reading that that makes it into an adventure and you could go you stole my idea so we have to be really careful with so that so fan website and that kind of stuff. Uh, but then it's published if it's published in like available then it's fine yeah, yeah. It's, open, it's open source and everybody can be yeah, but yeah exactly and free products we we don't look down on them. If you yeah. if, if put it out on like you know drive through, you may you laid it out yourself or had your friend lay it out, and it looks like a professional ish product. You know, yeah, we'll, then we'll, that's we'll great. Like, Wayfinder cool. articles, like Wayfinder, all Wayfinder's sorts of a great idea it because is. then you can get word counts. It is unfortunately yeah. sort of like less and less of it every year, yeah, so you can't we can't necessarily say like, definitely do Wayfinder because only yeah. you know I think it only happens once a year now. But yeah. uh, uh, I'm sure there are other things out there you can you can you can look for to okay. to do that. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Yeah, you're cool. welcome. Um, all right, well, yeah. we're pretty much at time, so thank you all for coming. Oh. Really appreciate it. Hey, thank you. And yeah, yeah. um, we will see you throughout the show. Have a yeah, great time. Yeah. Anyone didn't get one of my business cards yet? Feel free to call yeah, me. we have business cards up here for those of you who want them. Oops.